You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Rising Above Eight. Be encouraged. Hallelujah, God is so good. I know that the Lord wants to strengthen you today. He wants to encourage you. God has answers for you. Nothing ever catches him by surprise. Before a problem ever arises, God has already made abundant provision for that problem. God has made an abundant provision, thank you guys, for this nation, and that provision is through His Son, Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you to participate fully in this service and to allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to minister life to you and to cause transformation in all of us. If we think that uh, legislation can fix the problems of the human race, we're fooling ourselves. There is only one solution to the ills of mankind, whatever they may be. And that solution is not philosophy. It's not found in politics. It's not found in man's religion. It's found in the person and the very love of Jesus Christ. Human love doesn't work. We've got to recognize that. We in of ourselves don't have the answers. I don't care how deep you dig, we are fallen. We have fallen from God's intended plan. Man is fallen from the glory of God. And man can't fix that. Human love can turn into hatred in a moment. If we try and fix what's going on in our nation with human wisdom and human strength, we'll fail again. The title of this message is Rising Above Hate. And last week, we started a message called The Voice, and I had planned on continuing it, but I felt I needed to share something along these lines. It's called Rising Above Hate. Just as our nation, and we're going to pray in just a moment, so stay connected, stay plugged in, stay with me all the way through. Just as our nation was beginning to come out of this scare and what was labeled a pandemic, right on the heels of that, through video, we were able to witness a horrible murder take place. The murder of George Floyd. And I'm not sure what would need to happen for us to realize the devastation of sin. But I realized growing up in my lifetime that this world stinks. (laughs) And I didn't know Christ 
But I looked around at the things that were going on, and I won't go into the details of my growing up, but I thought this world is a, is a terrible place to live. And man comes along with his human wisdom and tries to make it better and, and say the world's a beautiful place. It's not. The Bible teaches us this is not the will of God. And you've got to understand this. Before we pray, I want to say just a few things. The Bible teaches us very clearly that Satan is the God of this world. Why do Christians argue about that? It couldn't be more obvious. Come on, in 2020, can't you see it? You think God would, would allow this? You think God would cause this? And Christians try and explain this. And they'll say, well, well, maybe God didn't cause it, but he's allowing it. He's not allowing it. What kind of pervert do you think he is? He's a good father. It's, see, really the issue is the human wisdom that the church has too often preached instead of the gospel of God's amazing grace. Man's gospel doesn't work. It's the gospel of the grace of God that is the only gospel that will change mankind and deliver us and bring us in to reconciliation with the Father. Satan is the God of this world. We see it clearly in the ministry of Jesus. Satan came against him and Jesus knew exactly who he was and what he was up to. And he rebuked Satan. He didn't rebuke his father. He knew his father wasn't causing it. He knew his father wasn't allowing it. He knew that Satan, Jesus called him the ruler of this world. How did it happen? Well, the Bible tells us. We've got to go to the Word of God for answers. And my written Bible is over here on my little, cute little round table here. But listen, I know the Bible's been wrongly taught. Man, I had my fill of it, believe me. I know that this has been used with a legalistic attitude to pound people over the head. But that doesn't change the reality that the answers mankind needs are in this book. I'm not speaking to you as a, a religious leader. I'm speaking to you as a human being who needs life. And if we're not willing to recognize the answer for every need of man is found in the Word of God, then we really don't want change. See, change comes first and foremost by humility, realizing we've messed up. We've missed it. We need God. I don't care what you've accomplished as a human being or what level you've reached in your profession or what degree you've obtained. You need God. There's no way around that. So the scriptures tells us that man was created in the image of God. And that God gave man sovereignty over the earth. And he's never taken it back. God did that. The scripture also tells us that man rejected God and began believing dark thoughts about God. 
And he listened to Satan. And through Satan's deception and man's disobedience, Satan stole the authority that God gave to man over the earth. You can read about it in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. And Satan became the God of this world. The good news is Christ came and defeated Satan, but you will not experience the victory that Christ purchased for you until you recognize your need for him as your Lord and your Savior. Nothing about what God has done for us through Jesus Christ is automatic because we have free will. We make choices every day about what we're going to believe, how we're going to live, how we're going to see the people in the world around us. If we're not choosing to submit the attitudes of our mind to the Lordship of Christ, we have no hope. It's just the truth. Why fight against it? Why give yourself to Him? Give yourself to the one who is perfect love. To the one who is justice. Satan has schemes and plans. I hope you're seeing them in 2020. I've been watching them for over 30 years. What's his scheme? What's his plan? He hates mankind. Why? Because mankind was made in the image of God. And Satan is doing everything he can to steal from us, to turn us against each other, to kill and destroy us. And he really doesn't care what part of his his ideology we accept that racism is a part of it. Anything that we accept from the father of lies, Satan, Beelzebub, is going is gonna to distort our view of each other and our view of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says that Satan can take advantage of us if we are ignorant of his devices. We're going to pray in just a moment. I'm laying a little bit of groundwork before we pray, all right? It says Satan can take advantage of us if we are ignorant of his devices. Well, what are his devices? Deceit, lies, telling people things that aren't true about themselves, about God, and about others. Fear, one of his top devices. Lies, fear, deceit, hatred, racism. When someone looks down on another person, when any person looks down on another person for any reason, they've been believing dark things. They've been believing lies. You can tell who someone's been listening to by the way they behave. 
It's not a mystery. The solution is simple. It's believing in Jesus. It's listening to Him and letting His Word inspire our actions. Not legalism. But the person, the Spirit of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it tells us who the real enemy is. The real enemy is not a people group. In fact, it says our warfare, hello, our conflict, our issues, our problems are not with flesh and blood. Ephesians 6, 12. You've got to know this or you'll never get to the answer. Our our warfare is not against people. You've got to rise above hatred. You've got to rise above the hate by believing what God said in His Word. By taking God in His Word and realizing that He is the answer. It says our warfare, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against people. It's against spirits of wickedness in the heavenly realms. And that might sound like a myth to you, and I understand that. But the truth is, Satan is real, and demons are real. And there is a spiritual warfare going on in the atmosphere around us every day. There are dark, demonic spirits trying to get you to believe lies about God, about yourself, and about other people. And the only way to recognize their schemes is through the light of the Word of God. Now let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need you to open our eyes. We know that God the Father loves everyone the same. For Holy Spirit, you inspired John to write these words, For God so loved the world. That's everybody. That He gave His one and only Son, that whoever, that's everybody. Whoever believes in the Son will have everlasting life. Holy Spirit, we repent. We change our thinking. We stop thinking that we have the answers. We stop thinking that our wisdom is going to change this. That our own strength and efforts are going to make a difference. And we humble ourselves. And then we declare we completely need you. We need you, Holy Spirit. We don't need man's religion. We need you, the very Spirit of God, to open the eyes of our heart. That we would realize the value of every human being. That every human being has been created in the image of the Father. That we would value every human being from the womb forward. Wake us up, Holy Spirit. 
Wake up your church. They would stop preaching man's religious tradition and start declaring the gospel of grace. That salvation for every human being was, is freely available through simple faith in Jesus Christ. That your people would cherish all human life. Human life. We give our whole lives to you, Holy Spirit. And we know you are the solution. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Rising above hate. I really... I'm not interested in trying to get anyone to plug into my system. The whole reason the highway was started was to give people a place they can come in and not plug into another religious system, but that they could hear the, the good news of God's amazing grace and experience the reality of who he is, of what he's done for them and who we are in him. So what I'm saying today has nothing to do with the religion of man. I want you to know that. God is the only truly objective one there is. He's not swayed by public opinion or the, the current atmosphere. He, he's never had to, to alter his view on anything because he's perfect love. We, we sometimes think he's an elected official or he's someone that, you know, uh, won a contest or, or won an election or, or worked his way to the top. That's not him at all. He has no beginning. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the I Am. He's perfect love. He's never had a wrong thought about anyone. And he never will. God doesn't know how to be racist. It's the opposite of him. The answer for every ill, every pain, every issue that man faces is found not through the wisdom of man, not through the politics of men, not through man's religion, but listen to me, through a real relationship with Jesus Christ. A real relationship with Jesus is a relationship in which I surrender my life to Him. Every goal, every dream, every passion, every desire, every preconceived thought, every ideology, everything I've ever known, I take myself as a whole and I lay it all before Jesus and I say, Lord, Reveal yourself to me. I want to know you as you are. 
Not according to man's wisdom or man's religion, but I want to know you as you are. Only then can freedom begin. Can a real interaction and relationship with Christ begin when I give my whole self to Him. Not to the religion of my grandfather or my parents or my great-grandfather, but to the person of Christ. You see, when you enter into a real relationship with Jesus, a crucifixion takes place. You are crucified with Christ. And you no longer live, but Christ begins to live in you. He begins to dispense his life into you. You begin to live life by his faith and his wisdom. His thoughts become your thoughts. His attitudes become your attitudes. You begin to see yourself and see God the Father and see others as Christ sees them. This is what relationship with Christ is. When you're in a relationship with the real Jesus, hatred has no hold on you. You cannot hate anyone. Impossible. If you're submitted to the Lordship of Christ in your life. Man's solutions fall so far short. So fall short of the answers we need. Man has paid a heavy price for exalting his intellect above the word of God. And we're seeing that in our nation right now. Man has said, God, we don't need you. We're smart enough on our own. We've gone to Harvard and to Yale and Cambridge. And, and we've accomplished these things. We got this. How sad. Never have we needed to submit to the Spirit of God more than we do today. And recognize apart from submission and relationship with the word of God and the spirit of God. We know nothing. Are you willing to admit that? That shouldn't be an offense to you. If that's hard for you to admit, then there's some issues there. There's some pride. There's some self-righteousness there. And that will cripple you. That will hinder what God wants to do in your life. There's no place for self-righteousness in a believer's life. Yet it's been preached from so many churches. The gospel of works and you trying to get your life right is a gospel of self-righteousness. It's not a gospel at all, really. It's a heavy load that has put so many in bondage. And it's time for the church to repent 
of the fake gospel it's preached. Of the gospel of man's wisdom and works and self-righteousness. And start declaring that, that, that through simple faith in Jesus Christ you are saved. You're made righteous. You're delivered. You're made new by the Spirit of God. And the righteousness He gives you transforms you completely and causes your spirit to be united with Him. And you are one with Him for the rest of your life. And you never have to listen to shame or condemnation again. Why do man's solutions fall so far short of the answer that we need? In fact, I've watched man's solutions perpetuate and make worse the problem. Racism is a great example. Man's solutions perpetuate it and make it worse. They don't know what to do. But they'll get into their books and their studies and come up with these political ideas that aren't solutions at all. Let's talk a little bit about racism and mankind. Why do man's solutions fall so far short? Because man looks on the outward appearance. That's how fallen man operates. He looks at the outward appearance of other people and he makes decisions based on that. That's not going to change until someone's born again by the Spirit of God. You can't pass a law to change that. We have to recognize that. Makes us realize that what I'm doing right now, what we're doing right now, highway, is so important. It's a voice like the one we're preaching that opens people's eyes to the reality that they don't have to continue in the darkness and hatred and condemnation and shame that they're in, that through simple faith in Christ, they can be made new. Man looks at the outward appearance. That's why his answers are not answers at all. There is a greater reality. It is the realm of the Spirit. We can say it doesn't exist. We can say it's a myth, it's a fantasy, but it exists. And Jesus said, this is where the answer is. That God's word is spirit and life. That it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. If you want to continue to operate in in the shallow surface of the flesh, you will have no answers. Man categorizes people based on their outward appearance. Yes, they do. That's the wisdom of man for you. Okay, I'm going to call you white. You're white, you're black, you're yellow, you're red. Boy, that's brilliant. I mean, how stupid do you want to get? That doesn't tell me anything about a person's heart. Nothing. God doesn't operate this way. Why? Because God looks at the heart. It's interesting, this, this concept of race and racism. It didn't come from God at all. 
came from man. And it really came to a head in the 19th century. Of course, racism had been going on a lot longer than that. Racism is hatred towards a person for their outward appearance or for some outward reason. But you know, I looked up in the dictionary the word race, R-A-C-E, and it's interesting, the history. This is just, I'm just reading from the dictionary. It says it was not until the 19th century, the 1800s. Are you willing to hear this? That attempts to systemize racial divisions were made. Ideas of supposed racial superiority and social Darwinism. You're familiar with Darwinism, right? Evolution is an ideology of racism. <gasps> you didn't know that? Why didn't you know that? Why have you been listening to the educated ones, quote unquote? Evolution, there's nothing true about it. It is an ideology of racism and hatred that teaches that some racial classes are better than others. You go back and study it, not in a public school, because there's so much political uh, push behind what's being taught, and what's being erased. And what's, but you go and read what Darwin did and what he believed and what he taught and what people did with this idea of evolution. It became a motivation to discriminate against other people. This is the simple truth, folks. I know it might be shocking to your ears because you're made to believe that, that evolution is a sophisticated, educated point of view that we have grown into. But it's a lie. If we want real answers, we've got to expose the lies. We can't just get mad and pretend everything's going to change because it's not until you expose the lies and believe the truth. Are you willing to do that? If you're not willing to do that, it's not really change that you want. It's a temporary tampering. And I don't need that. I need real healing in my life. I need real transformation. You can pat me on the back all you want, but that's not going to change my life. I need healing from the inside out. This idea of racial superiority and social Darwinism reached their culmination in Nazi ideology of the 1930s. This is the reality, guys. We're going to talk about this. We need to find out what's going on. And gave pseudo-fake, scientific, pseudo-scientific, it means false, justification to policies and attitudes of discrimination, exploitation, slavery, and extermination. I could go into some stuff here. I don't have the time. Help me, Holy Spirit. In recent years, the associations of race with the ideologies and theories that grew out of the work of the 19th century anthropologists and psychologists has led to the use of the word race itself 
becoming problematic. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Oh, we need to see with His eyes. Help us, Holy Spirit, to see with His eyes. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. My outward appearance tells you nothing about what's inside of me. Tells you nothing about what I've been through and what I believe. What does? The way I behave. The things I say and the actions that I take. Martin Luther King Jr. said 1 Samuel 16, 7. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's, a, that's my little connection. But this is how he said it. He said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. The Lord does not look on the outward appearance. He looks on the heart. I can't judge someone based on their outward appearance. I can judge someone based on the way they behave. Because our actions come from our character. You look through the Bible. You do a Bible search for the word race, R-A-C-E. In the New King James or the King James, there's maybe like seven references and they're all about this kind of a race. A competition. When God speaks about people, He doesn't even use the word race. God talks about nations. Nations. Now that makes sense. Because all of us have a national heritage. And that gives me some insight into where I came from. Now obviously, you've got to understand that Travel has changed things. We, have, we can fly, we can move from one nation to another like we never could before. So you've got uh, immigration and migration between nations like never before. But prior to this ability to travel, for the most part, nations stayed within their borders. That's just one of the, the differences about the age we're living in. And because so many generations have passed now, you know, my nation is America. And that's, that, that consists of a whole bunch of nations. People that have come from a lot of nations. When God thinks of people, He looks at their heart. So even now, uh, the nation a person comes from doesn't tell me a whole lot about them and what they believe. Because times have changed so much with the internet, with travel, a lot of immigration going on. So we've got to look at the heart. We've got to realize the answer is in the heart, not in the outward appearance. In fact, in Acts chapter 17, let's read it. Verse 26. Acts 17, 26. It says, God has made from one blood every nation 
Changes everything when you realize that, doesn't it? That means everyone who's hearing this message is related to me. Brother Joe. And you can't change that. So I'm in your family, whether you like it or not. From one blood, God has made every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Verse 27 in the message, so we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find Him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. The Passion Translation says, He has done this so that every person would long for Him, would long for God, would feel their way to Him and find Him. For He is the God who is easy to discover. He's the God who is easy to discover. He's the God who is easy to discover. Man's religion has made it so hard to know God. But that's not who He is. He's the God who's easy to know. Who's easy to believe. Who's easy to discover. For in Him, verse 28 says, we live and move and have our being. Listen to this, the Passion Translation, verse 28 says, It is through Him that we live and function and have our identity. If your identity, if the highest level of your identity is in your nation, you don't know who you are. The highest, the truth about your identity and mine is that God made you in His image. And if you want to know your true identity, you've got to give yourself to the one who made you. It is only when I surrender my whole person to the one who made me that I realize who I am. The message says we're the God created. This changes everything. So if all human beings came from one, from one blood, God made every human being. And we see in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, in, in your Bible, your hard copy Bible, I pray that everyone who hears this message if they do not have a hard copy Bible, gets one and begins reading it regularly. But before you open it, read it, say, Holy Spirit, remove the scales from my eyes and show me Jesus. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says, God made man in his image. God made them male and female in his image. In his very likeness, he made man. So if I look down, listen to me. If I look down 
on another human being for any reason, I'm looking down on God. Let me say that again. If I think less of any human being than I think of myself, if I look down on any human being, I'm looking down on God. Why? Because every human being was made in his image. That means every human being is equally valuable to him. Equally significant. That every human being matters. And I like Black Lives Matter. And the reason that's risen to the surface is because so much injustice has been done to what is what man calls black people, people of African descent, people with darker skin than maybe what I have. I'm not sure what happened when God made me. I have a theory that maybe his printer ran out of ink. You know, like when you get that little notification on your computer screen that says, Cartridges out of ink. I think like, you know, I, I came up in the printer queue and Gabriel was sitting in front of his laptop and, and the printer notification came up and said change the cartridges, but he went and got a coffee or something. That's probably what happened when I was mad. <laughs> but you know, I, I value human beings because God made us. I'm not interested in being around people that look like me. Wouldn't that be frightening? A whole room of me. No, thank you. I'm interested in being around people who have hearts that are believing in the Father. Who are willing to humble themselves and say, Jesus, you're the way, the truth, and the life. And are willing to follow them. That's why at Highway, we're open to everybody, to every culture, to every nation. We realize every culture, every nation, every skin color is equally important and equally valuable to God. That every human being has been made in the image of God. Racism, are you kidding? It's a lie from Satan. It's the furthest thing from the nature of God you could get. So as believers and followers of Christ, we look at no one according to the flesh. Let's read from the scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ, this is written to people who have surrendered their lives to Christ, to people who have been born again by the Spirit of God, to people who are believers and followers of Christ. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. Wow. It controls us. Like power steering. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, 
And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again on their behalf. You've got to know this. This is how we see each other. Therefore, from now on, verse 16, we regard no one according to the flesh. No one. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, these, they were with, with Christ, right? And this is written by the Apostle Paul here and to the court, believers in Corinth. Christ appeared to him after his resurrection. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, even though, uh, excuse me, yet now we know him thus no longer. In other words, even though we used to, Paul used to look at Jesus with the wisdom of man. He used to look at Jesus according to the flesh. And as a result, he persecuted Christians. He came against the very ones who had the answer inside of him, inside of them. But he said, we don't do that anymore. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I want to read that to you out of the message translation. Stay with us through the whole service. Stay awake. Verse 13, message translation, Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. It was the love that Christ had for me that moved me to leave everything I knew at the age of 19 and follow him. I'm so glad I did. It's his love that's moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. What's focused center? One man, one blood, one faith, one God, one Father, one Lord, one baptism. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. Hallelujah. This is why I could be smiling today. Because I'm living a resurrection life in the midst of the turmoil and the chaos. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong. That's what man's religion does. Looks at Jesus through the eyes of the flesh and gets it all wrong. As you know, we certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside 
And what we see is that anyone united with Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and Him. And then called us, listen, then called us to settle our relationships with each other. If what God has done for you is not the basis of your reconciliation towards your fellow man, it won't work. Human love can turn to hatred in the blink of an eye. If the inspiration of your love for your fellow man is not the realization of the love that God has for you, it won't bring about lasting change. He's called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah. Giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences. God uses us, who? The sons and daughters, the believers, the followers of Christ. We're the answer to the ills of the world because Christ lives in us and His love compels and controls us. And He speaks through us. We are to to, uh, persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ Himself now because friends, excuse me, become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. Human love always falls short, always fails. God's love never falls short and never fails. All of us have an idea of what love is. But listen to me. All of our ideas about love fall way short of God's love. Can I read to you from the scripture just three more passages that shockingly reveal to us the nature of God's love. We'll start in Matthew chapter 5. You see, Christ came not only to show us how much God loves us, but that we could be filled by the Holy Spirit with the very love of God for one another. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 44. See, realize if you're a believer, realize the love of Christ is shed abroad within you. Stop living by the, your, your, your flesh, your, your soul and your, your body. Start living by your spirit. Realize that you're a spirit. 
Your spirit's been made new. Your mind needs to be renewed. And your flesh needs to be brought under the, the submission, brought into submission to your spirit. The spirit is where it's at. The spirit is who you are. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 44 and 45, you ready? But I say to you, this is Jesus, this is love. This is God's love talking. But I say to you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Human love can't do that. This is where human love says, You're, get out, I'm, I'm done. God's love does it every day. Day in, day out. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. See, this is where human love turns to hatred real fast. Yeah, I'll quote unquote love you if, you're, if you agree with me, if you're nice to me. But the moment you say something against my group of people, boom, the tongue goes. Curses come. Hatred rises up. No. Not the love of Christ. Not the love of Christ. We love our enemies. We bless those who curse us. We do good to those who hate us. Come on, are you seeing the shocking reality of God's love and how different it is from human love? Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. This is the love that is shed abroad within you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4. This is the Amplified Classic Translation. Describing to us the divine love of our Heavenly Father. Love endures long, very patient, and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, listen to this, does not insist on its own rights. Divine love does not insist on its own rights and its own way. Now, if you're caught up in human love, you're going to be very mad right now. Maybe you want to throw something at the screen. This is divine love. It's off the charts. Human love can't even come close to this. But it's the love of Christ does not insist on its own rights or its own way. Why? For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. 
It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice in injustice and righteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete, never comes to an end. See, we have been given a commandment by our Lord and Savior. And that commandment is to love one another, not according to their behavior, but according to Christ's love for us. Let's pray. Father, you have opened our eyes today to some shocking realities. And the reason that your wonderful healing truth is so shocking to us is because we've been listening to the wisdom of man. We've been coming to our own conclusions, coming up with our own answers. We've been self-righteous. We've been thinking that we have the the, the, the answers that people need, but the reality is we know nothing apart from you. So Father, I repent on behalf of pastors and ministers, men and women who are leaders in the body of Christ. And as we're praying, I want to apologize to anyone listening on behalf of the church for any weights that have been put on you, any, any heavy doctrines, any uh, shame and condemnation that's been put on you through a church, I want to apologize to you because it's not true. And I want to encourage you to rise above the hate and look to the one who made you. Put your faith in the real Jesus. Give your life to him, not to man's answers, not to man's religion. Give your life to him. Let him heal you. Let him remove the scars. Let him make you strong. Let him take the pain away. And in place of that pain, let him put a joy that's unstoppable. in that shame, let him put a righteousness and a confidence that you know he's your father for the rest of your life and there's nothing that can get in between you and him anymore. Receive the grace of God. That's all that we were, any church was ever to preach was the gospel of his grace. That you can earn it 
but it's freely given to us. It's not through our righteous organizations. It's not through our religious sacraments. It was through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And all we can do is receive it by faith. And through simple faith, we receive the abundance of His grace and the gift of His righteousness. And we go from being sinners to saints, from being lost to found, from being sick to healed, from being poor to rich, from being weak to strong, just like that. That's the supernatural, miraculous, over-the-top truth of the gospel that we preach here at Highway. God loves you perfectly. Would you receive his love for you today? Would you open your heart to the one who made you? Let all the pain go. Forgive anyone who's ever hurt you. Come on. Forgive him. Let it go. Drop the weight. Let go of the pain. Forgive. For God has forgiven you. Father, we forgive everyone who's ever hurt us. We let it go. And Father, we ask you to bring about your justice in this nation, your justice in the murder of George Floyd, your justice in the murder of those who were murdered because of hate or for any reason. Lord, we ask you to bring about justice for the murders of little babies who are torn apart out of their wombs, for the lies of some human philosophy. Forgive us, Father, for the abortions that have taken place in this nation. Little babies who never said a word to anyone, who can't do anything for themselves, who have no defense, have been senselessly murdered in epic proportions right here in this nation because of self-righteousness, because of human exaltation and human philosophy and human thinking. None of us have a right to tear a baby out of the womb. None of us have a right to do that. That baby belongs to God. That baby does not belong to the father or the mother who came together. That baby belongs to God. Forgive us, Father. Forgive your church for condoning this. It's all a pack of lies. Father, bring about justice in this nation. Justice for racism. Justice for abortion. We're relying on your Holy Spirit to awaken us. To awaken our leaders. They wouldn't try to implement more policies and social baloney. But they'd be born again. And they'd look to you and they'd point others to you. They'd pray openly in their offices with their staff. And they'd 
realize it's through faith in Christ that this nation will be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.